Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, one and all. This is Bakabytes, a show where we talk about what we are watching this week in anime. I'm your host, Frankfurter, and with me today is the Machiavellian aviator, Magically Average. What you got for us, buddy? Every I know every that week was, it's, it's it gets you it gets you off guard. <laughs> that was like such a quick intro too. Like I didn't have enough time to process it this time. I was like I had to like quickly snap yeah. to it and be like, uh, yeah, I uh, I initially had Machiavellian Aquatope, and I was like, no, no, that's a little too on the nose for our recent conversation since you've been watching uh, Aquatope of the White Sand. But I need to catch up. So I on changed that. it. I changed it to Aviator. I like it. I would have liked both. Good. It's, it's pretty Because solid. that's all you're getting. Yeah. No, that's I all know. you're getting this that's week. That's all I ever get. Um, so this week, there are multiple things I want to talk about. Like, obviously, we're going to talk about Talked because that's our show, the the season that we were watching together. Quite literally, we watched it a second week in a row together. Um, mm-hmm. But do want to talk about Comey Can't Communicate and my happiness and woes with it, um, my ups and downs with it, and then also blue period as well as well as potentially just talk just briefly 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 about uh ranking of kings and uh i know you have a couple shows including pride of orange which you were watching before this and what else you got for us this week gotta love my hockey show the other ones i'm watching are all like feel goody slice of life's they're definitely not as intense or heart wrenching as some so of the like shows. So like my 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 senpai is annoying type. Yeah, so my senpai is annoying. We're also watching Muruko Chan, which I, I think I'm going to talk about that the most. I keep forgetting about that one. It so I, I mean I, I guess I'll just go off into it. Um, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Go, 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 go off. My wishes were granted. There was like 
no well at least in this episode i should say there's there was no fan service it was all plot driven and they're starting to finally like build into the relationship that miko has with like other people that can see ghosts or entities and i'm like all right cool now we're getting into the thick of it and i'm super pumped so this whole episode was basically focused on her name is yulia i think it's the cotton candy hair girl basically is what we'll call her okay yeah yeah, the one from like episode one that was like hey can you never mind yeah like get out of my way plebs she's back hasn't and uh her personality is a lot different than what the uh first few episodes made her out to be like so i was i'll start off by saying too i was wrong in my interpretation from one or two weeks ago when i talked about this show uh the elderly woman who was working at the booth is sort of like the scam artist or con artist um not yulia's grandmother she is what they call the godmother in that market she's just i guess she's been well known in that area um but apparently uh, according to this episode last time we'll ever see her <laughs> so it starts off with yulia talking about how she can see these entities she's been able to see them for as long as she can remember but her approach like i had sort of predicted at the beginning was that she wants to learn how to exercise them and become like a world-renowned spiritualist that will obviously profit from her fame and fortune and so she keeps trying to become the godmother's apprentice and pesters her day in and day out and the godmother one day is just like here you know what take these prayer beads these are the most powerful things i have they'll protect you just go and so she's like yay And then sure enough, the next day, (laughs) she goes to the stand, and the godmother's gone. She's like, nope, shut it down. I moved to the country. (laughs) And so the girl freaks out. She's like, what in the fuck happened? And the random store owner, shop owner from across the the way was like, oh, yeah. She said something about retiring and moving back up to the countryside. Said she couldn't take it anymore. And he was like, yeah, that was right after he met with well, those two girls over there, funny enough. And it's obviously Miko and her friend, Hana. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's pretty humorous. That they, her, Miko is so... That's on the nose. So much negative aura in attracting these entities that she basically made this, the godmother of the market, this person that's been scamming people for years and years to just go, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I'm going to hang up. Hang it up. Nothing good can come from these two. Yeah. We're, we're gone. Yeah, no. No, my guess is that she'll come back eventually and become like some sort of teacher or uh, like, I don't even want to say like master, but some she'll be involved somehow. I assume I I think the intro actually get kind of gives it away. But anywho, so I was I was I had a completely different guess from not even seeing the show. Like, I imagine that she's going to be one of those side characters like the in cowboy bebop where they have the three old men who just appear out of nowhere <laughs> keep appearing in the, the restaurant. it's like she's yeah. just gonna appear out of nowhere like they're gonna go from place to place in order to like exercise a demon or something or go there and just like they're on vacation and there she is like that's my guess i i thought that she was actually showing up in this episode later on um and i'll get to that but it ended up not being her but i i like that I like the premise of that where she just randomly shows up or she's just in the background, but you constantly see her. But the episode continues on with Yulia talking. It's 
the first half focuses a lot on her and how she's been observing Miko and Hana and realizing that Miko can see the same things as her. The only difference that you notice right away is that Yulia sees very faint images of them. They're not as like, <laughs> for lack of a better term, I guess. Detailed like, and graphic. High definition. <laughs> like very fuzzy images versus Miko. It's like back in the early 2000s where your local news people were like, this is standard and this is what HD looks like. Yeah, it's like it's like Yulia's watching on a tube TV and Miko's watching on a 4K OLED TV. So it's it's a stark difference. But they make it like they... It, it's something that the viewers like you as a viewer, you're like, Oh, that's kind of weird. And it wraps it into it really nicely. Once Yulia meets up with Miko. So basically she traps her in the, in the, the gym room. And she is like, I know you can see these things. Like they're everywhere. Look, there's even some over there. And Miko's like, mm, are you talking about the cockroaches? Cause there's cockroaches everywhere. And Yulia is like, no, seriously. Like, I know you could see that, like the your mannerisms, your behavior. I watch you. I've been observing you over the last few days. Like it's it's obvious that you see them, but you just won't admit it. And then, like, at a certain point in their conversation, it flips from Yulia's perspective, where we're getting her inner monologue to Miko, and Miko's like, "Yeah, I can see them." Like this is going on in her head. She's like, "I I know I can see them, but what you can't see is the giant one right behind you." And so you're like, oh, okay. So there is a stark difference between their power, like their their ability to see these entities. Yeah, and the moment that she says, like, yes, I can see you is when they all are, like, swarm. Well, because she, so. she can only see these, like, little weird dude things. But the one that comes out is this giant horrendous creature. And Miko's just like, please, for the love of God let me get out of this situation somehow because she can't, she obviously cannot see this one. It is right in front of us. So then, and this is, this is the best part of the entire episode. Miko's like, okay, how do I get out of this? What is, is there any way I can get out of this situation where the both of us can get out of here safely and soundly? Because it's not enough to just like run. Like I've got to do something. So she channels her inner wrestler which is like harks back to the episode a couple ago where she's like follows this uh this wrestler named Badger and he's like she's like wrestling move to bring down a foe and so she does a serpent's grip where she basically is just a rear naked chokehold on her and she body slams her to the ground and just holds her there and just goes I, oh, we're we're playing like oh, I've got you now. You might as well give up. And Yulia's like, what the fuck is going on? And then she like passes what out. What the shit? <laughs> she, it's the whole scene is so great. But at the very end, like before Yulia loses consciousness, she sees the like the big creature at the very last second, and then she's like out cold. <laughs> then it goes to her in the nurse's office, and she's like, hmm this the afterlife and miko's there and she's like you followed me to the afterlife she's like not exactly you're fine calm down but i just you know choked you out made you sleep and now you're awake yeah but the, their relationship is gonna be really funny because miko was basically like hey listen yeah i can see them but i basically try to pretend like they're not there so let's put this whole episode behind us and forget that anything happened and let's go about our way 
but in Yulia's mind, she was basically saying, if you speak of this to anyone, I won't let you go next time. I will kill you. You are dead to me. There can only be one spiritualist in this town, and it's me. It's the funniest fucking thing. So that that whole scene just ends with Yulia like underneath the covers crying, being like, I, I'm going to get you. You're going to pay for this. So, but then the latter half of the episode is where we see again, her Miko finally using her powers. Like I, I understand the capabilities of her powers. She runs across this old woman who's has dementia or is, is also has Alzheimer's is unable to like really remember and she returns her she basically carries her on her back miko does um to her home and the uh, the the daughter who's you know who's of like a motherly age comes out and she's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry mom why'd you make her carry you on her back and the mom just kind of chalks gibberish and stuff and she's like sorry she's been like this ever since dad died and she's like oh i'll go get you something as a thank you and miko's like no no it's okay i gotta go and she turns on her phone as the woman walks back inside. And sure enough, like the light illuminates this entity behind her. She's like, oh, God damn it. It's not a person. Fuck me. And this dude just keeps saying numbers. Meanwhile, the old lady's like trying to talk to Miko. She's like looking at her phone like, is that the Internet? And Miko's like, uh, it's a smartphone. It has the Internet. You could also call and stuff. And meanwhile, the entity just keeps saying these numbers. And so while Miko's on her phone, she types in the numbers that he's saying and he and she goes, yeah, like, look, see, you can call people. And it says, like, 4361. And the old lady just kind of looks at it and then, like, walks into her room. And the, the other woman comes back. She's like, what are you doing, Mom? She goes up to the safe. And the mom's like, you've been trying at this for years. You'll never get it open. Sure enough, it opens. And then she's like, whoa, what, what, the, what the hell just happened? And the old lady, like, gets this comb... Uh, I don't know what like what exactly it is. It's essentially like a hair piece for like when women put up their hair and it's it's in the shape of a comb and it kind of like holds a hair her. pin kind of, but it's in the shape of a comb basically, but it's to hold her hair up. And she's like, Oh, is that what dad gave you? Like as this last present. And she doesn't even say a word, puts it in. Then she goes, all right, I'm going to go make us some pork miso soup. Do you want any pork miso soup? Let's go make that. Come on, mom. And she, the woman's like, who the fuck are Yeah. Let's go make soup. Let's go. And then she, the ghost comes up. Where have up you been to, the last 15 years? <laughs> well, then the ghost comes up to Miko and he just goes like, thank you. And then walks away. And she realizes from the pictures in the house that it was her late husband. So I like. Yeah, it was just like, hey, my wife forgot this safe combination. She needs to know. Yeah. So it's it's not just that she's understanding the powers that she has. But I think she's finally realizing that like, yes, they're scary, but they have a purpose to being here still like there's a reason why are they still roam around and they're not they haven't moved on to the afterlife like whether it's because they're trying to protect someone or they're trying to give information to someone or they're trying to say like you know i love you or i miss you for the last time there's something there um so it was a nice happy warm feeling at the end but then obviously it takes that turn in the, in the very last ending credits when the outro is done where they're back at that bakery place where there's the regular human line and then there's the ghost line getting eaten by those, that chompy chompy monster. And Miko goes, 
was that the guy I saw just yesterday who gave me those numbers? And sure enough, he like walks up and then you just see like nom nom chomperson come out of nowhere and eat him. She's like, ugh. The ghost, the, the Futurama ghost suicide bo- booth is what I'm equating that to. I think it's basically like their way of entering into the afterlife. I'm That's my guess on how they're like trying to portray it. I, I don't know. It was kind of a weird but funny ending. So I'm very happy with how it's turned. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that sounds, that sounds a lot better from what the first episode or two kind of was. Um, yeah, very minimal Especially with the fact service. that this one, yeah, the fact that this one didn't really have fan service is kind of really nice to hear because, yeah, that show, I feel like that could be a really good show of the season, but it's going to be plagued a bit by fan service. But the fact that this one was minimal, it's like, I have hope for the future of this show. Will I watch it? Maybe. Maybe in the future. Yeah. Right now? No. Not not even a little bit. Yeah. I mean, pick and choose what you want to watch this season because there's a lot out there. I was going to say my, my other show is My Senpai is Annoying, which it only gets better and better with every episode. This one didn't even take place at the office. It was about basically the two main characters at separate times being sick and kind of taking care of one another. It's so cute and it's so wholesome. I can't get enough of it. I also can't get enough of how the 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 girl the main girl of futaba i think it her her other her last name is igarashi um she likes takeda who's her giant towering senpai but can't come to terms with it or admit it but everyone in the office knows and he's such a blunderhead that like he just doesn't notice anything basically and so so he's me He's me, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, He's just this kinda. tall, hulking idiot that just doesn't know, is just oblivious to everything around him. I mean, you said it, so I will just... I mean, I know myself, and that is that is me. Okay, fair. I'm very oblivious. You can ask Sam. Yeah. She's like, yeah, he's oblivious. Even my parents are like, yeah, he was an oblivious child, but, you know, he figured it out. We all have blinders to certain things. It's just his blinders are very big and really are constant for everything every as if he was like 24 7 dilated out of the freaking doctor's (laughs) office yep pretty much so the episode is nice because igarashi gets sick first and she's like crap i gotta go get food and right as she's leaving takeda who found out at work that she was sick because he's like they're like all the other co-workers are like oh yeah she's sick we would have told you but you don't have a smartphone and he holds up like this old basically nokia like not even a flip phone, like just like an old button mashing. The phone. one that will survive the nuclear warfare. Yeah, yeah, basically. So they're like, yeah, we couldn't tell you, but she's sick, and so he's like, oh, okay. So he shows up right before she's leaving. You know, pretty standard anime trope. And he's like, well, I brought you food and stuff. And she's like, uh, well, can you actually come in and cook for me? Because I was feeling very alone. He's like, yeah, sure. So he makes her food and like tucks her in and then leaves it's very cute so then she comes into work and he's like you feeling better she's like yeah and he's then he's like oh i was about to you know when i came over to make you food she's like shut up shut up everyone's everyone can hear you you loud oaf quit it then the next day he gets sick and so she's like damn it i'm gonna have to go return the favor and everyone's like "Ooh, you gonna over to start talk? cooking for him well oh. the, the the there's a female co-worker there her name is sakura who's like the 
she's like the poster child of like all the male fantasies at an office setting for like you know all the men oogle and ogle for they all try to like make her like go out with them and stuff but so she's like poking fun at her she's like so are you gonna go over to Takeda's and she's like no of course not Psh, why would I do that but sure enough she does and she makes him food and he's like oh this is really good and then he passes out and then the next day he's like oh I feel a lot better thanks for coming over making me food your cooking was great she's like oh my god for the love of god stop talking stop it just quit for like shut your mouth just be quiet and he's like what your cooking was really good and it was very nice that you came over to my house my place where i live by yourself you came over and you cooked and she's like ah. <laughs> and then she's like let's go on sales calls so like she's yelling at him or the outside. love of fuck would you stop <laughs> it but it was really cute at the end because he's basically she <laughs> the ending parts are like she helps him get a smartphone and he's like trying to figure out how to use it because they play him off as someone who's been like who's like in his 40s but i'm pretty sure he's in his early 30s it's very strange but he's like he asks one of the other workers he's like help me and he's like what do you want he's like i've been trying to send a text message since last night and i can't figure out how and he's like you're kidding right so he sends a text and it's of course to igarashi and it just says thank you and she was like i've been waiting all day for this so their relationship is so cute. It's a very wholesome show. Again, I like it. It's unique because it takes place in an office setting and it shows you the relationships like inside the office and outside the office. It's very nice. Go watch it. It's a good much wholesome life. Much much wholesome. So wow. So wow, much wholesome. Many feels. Um Well, that sounds nice. Uh so there's like there's two shows I just briefly want to talk about and one that I kind of want to deep dive into, which I think you've watched, Comey. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that would be the one that I want to deep dive really into. But the the two quick hits that I want to talk about are Blue Period and Ranking of kin, uh, Kins Kings. I mean, it may as well be, be Kins. Every king is a kin of some king. To some degree, there's tongue, yeah. There's a tongue twister for you. There's some alliteration. Um, But anywho, so let's, let's real quick... Ranking of Kings, I'm just going to talk about because I know you don't want to discuss it because you watched part of it and you were very intrigued. Yeah. Because I made you watch part of it. The, um, the small bit that I watched just immediately drew me in. And I was yeah. shocked, too. It's a it's a total, like, d- d- uh, detraction from the, the trailer that we watched. Like, it, it, honestly, the trailer did it a disservice, to be honest. I'd agree. I'd agree, but... um. Long story short, this episode goes into the backstory of the Black Blob and how tremendously horrible his past was, and then how he sees himself in the small king who's deaf, mute, etc., going through all these trials and tribulations, and they have a fight scene. Like They continue the sparring session between him and his brother, who's the second in line, but the one that everybody wants to be king for the fact that you know he's not deaf and mute. Um, so like the, the little black blob, which I forget his name, he like sees a lot of himself in the king and like at the very end is just like, Hey, I'm not going to steal from you anymore. I want to be in your corner. I want to be friends with you. Like wherever you go, I want to go because like you, you and I are very similar and I want, you're good people and I want to stick with you. And it's just really like, I haven't watched episode three, episode three is out, but 
episode two is very emotional and very powerful and i it, like i've been sleeping even uh, like i watched the first episode and i knew how great it was but i was sleeping on this show because like i hadn't watched episode two let alone three which i don't even know when the show comes out it's probably during the week probably tomorrow or today to be honest but so you were, um, you were expecting something like this because you had kept saying that it's studio wit that the, yeah, it had wit to doesn't be miss. Yeah, wit doesn't miss. Wit wit is on fucking fire when it comes to their shows, and this is zero, like seriously, like the animation might not be there. Like the animation is a very unique style. It may not be as pretty as like what Attack on Titan was, but like Studio Wit is insane story. Like this story is insanely good, yeah. and I and I implore anybody who's listening to go watch it. But um, that's all I want to talk about because like. I could go into depth about the story, but I know you, uh, Machiavellian aviator, you wanna you wanna watch this show, so um, I won't go too too far into it. But um, the show I do want to talk about a lot, and not a lot, but sort of is a blue period. I didn't like again. Uh, oh, real quick, uh, something that was pointed out to us is from a, a viewer, aka Lobo, who because you know he likes to yell at me still from the grave um that's what to say from the afterlife from the afterlife (laughs) yeah like uh miroko-chan um he told me like hey it'd be nice if you tell us where we could watch these so ranking of kings you could watch on funimation um yeah i know miroko-chan you could watch on funimation and um what was your other one my senpai is annoying and oh my senpai annoying you can yeah, watch all I, it's much easier. every show we've talked about every show we've talked about so far today has been on funimation the next two shows i'm going to talk about are on netflix yeah but um uh blue period which is on netflix is i mean i said it last week like it's really interesting and it you know it intrigued me a lot more just because i like the concept of art um so and i know apparently i repeated myself a lot that i like art last episode so um it was really intriguing and really kind of drew me in more than I thought it would. So this week was kind of no different. Um, this week was more so about like he in the previous episodes had learned about composition and um, ah shit. There was two things he learned. It was like composition and something else. And it was like him putting it together for like his, uh, sh- I forget the type of school he went to. It's not cram school, but it's a school that he goes to that is an actual school Anywho, um, he, like, puts it all together and, like, there's, in a week span or ten days, they're supposed to draw five things with, uh, oils and pastels and the fifth one is going to be entered into their competition and judged, essentially. So he, like, you know, a week goes by or ten days go by and his fifth one gets entered and he's, like, middle of the pack, but he beats the two people that he's been hanging out with and he was shocked by it because, you know he thought that they were a lot better artists than him just in general. So they thought he thought that just by nature, they would beat him. Um, what he also learned is that there was a girl that he took a class with and she got first place and she got upset that she got first place because apparently at this school, it's like common nature, com- like it's like a curse to come first place. Like you don't get into the school you want to, if you get first place, like you don't pass the, the, you know exams or whatever to get into the school you want so she's really upset by this and he's like still enamored like no no no, you got this and then learns about the the curse after so 
he's kind of very confused about that. But um, after this like little competition kind of week thing, he goes to, or no, before that, he talks to his two buddies that or well, two quote unquote friends. One is like a guy that's just like, yeah, let's go do this. Let's go do that. And the other is just like, we got to drag you by the ear to get you to do anything. And the guy who they dragged by the ear was just like, hey, I'm quitting this school. Like, I hate this. I hate exam art. And the guy was like, what the fuck is exam art? Like, main dude is like, what's exam art? And basically the concept of just like doing specific things for exams, like training for an exam for art to make it appealing to get in rather than just being a true artist and drawing what you want and doing what you want. Yeah, isn't that, doesn't that go against all of the principles of art? I mean, if you gotta get to school, like, yeah, but um, you find out later in the episode that, like, nobody uses the word exam art, and you can see that that's uh, an actual thing because Homeboy, who uses the word exam art and main character, end up meeting each other at um, Tao Tex- uh, Tokyo Art University, or Tokyo University of Art, TAU, no, it's Tokyo Art University, whatever. Um, they end up, by chance, meeting each other there and, like, walking through the art department and or not art department but basically what they would be doing like sculptures and different paintings etc because outside they have like booths where everybody sold like craft goods like earring necklaces um like hair clips etc so when they're walking through they're both just like this art sucks it's all just like abstract nobody get like we don't get it like they're like what the fuck we expected more and that's when Homeboy was just like, by the way, I hate you. I'm not coming back to that cram school thing. Like, I really do not like you. And you kind of don't get the answer as to, like, if you do, I just completely forgot. Or I was, yeah, no. Um, so basically, he's just like, he says that. And then, like, main characters, other friends that he went there with, like the delinquent squad, they kind of show up and uh, they're like, well, they were there with him to begin with, but they finally find him after being separated, and they're like, hey, there you are. Like, what's going on? Why are you sad? Why are you upset? Did that kid do something? We're going to beat him up. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, he wouldn't have said what he said to me if I was a better artist. That's what he says. But, like, that's what his thought process is, and that's when he goes to the teacher and says, like, hey, what, like, how do I become a better artist that isn't exam art? And she's like, nobody uses the term exam art anymore. Nobody gives a shit. Like, yeah, it was definitely a thing back then, but it's not anymore. And she kind of goes over to, like, different techniques and whatnot and tells him, like, or actually, before that, before they meet, sorry, I'm skipping around here because my memory is just shit. Um, With the raw emotions of being upset that this kid was just like, I hate you, you're, like, a terrible artist, etc. Like, you could do anything, but yet you choose to waste your time here. Um, He takes all that raw emotions and puts it into like a painting and just it turns out beautifully like the the, when he brings it to teachers like this is a standout piece. This is really good. And that's when they go into that conversation. And uh, yeah, I think it kind of just ends after that. But it's like it's a it's a really good competent show. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's interesting. And I mean, if you're any what interested in art and just kind of learning the techniques and just terms and what goes into art, it's a very decently educational show, I want to say. But I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it through and through. That's what I was going to ask is if it, if it goes into like the principles of art and 
like the process of a little bit yeah because like, like he's like okay like when they're doing like oils and pastels he's like cool i got my like oils out i'm ready to go and then like you see all the other students like one's cutting the canvas another one's using like a spray bottle like they're doing weird fucking things he's like what the hell is going on i thought this was i thought this was oils and pastels what the hell hmm. but yeah it's 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 an interesting show i'm enjoying it um I'll continue watching it just to see what the kind of plot line is, but or not plot line, but like just to see kind of how it goes through the motions. But um, yeah, it's really intriguing, really enjoying it. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm I'm interested to know how it's gonna progress too. It's I I probably won't pick it up only because again the season's chock full of shows. It really is top it to really bottom. Is. Again, no matter what your genre preferences if it's isekai watch mushuko tensei which we aren't talking about this week but it's moving along nicely which i did catch up on that and i do have thoughts about that like real quick because i, I did say, tell we can hop... i would talk about this show yeah we can hop I in because tell... i watched it too i'm, I'm all caught okay up. let's talk about this briefly then i really want to dig deep into komi because there's a lot of thoughts i have about that but um all right let's do it for jobless reincarnation like this latest episode like we've missed the last two episodes basically the episode before this was just like they're stuck in the village because it's rainy season they're going to help everybody and just make sure everybody stays safe during rainy season um Eris trains one of like the animal people how to do sword play because she's interested that her aunt taught this girl like human girl sword play when everybody apparently like hates their aunt like this aunt because she abandoned the city but like you find out that she was just like a rabid like animal rather than like a proper person and decent to he uh, like society so she's like okay i'm interested in learning more about my aunt like show me the sword play that your my aunt taught you and they go through that and then by the time rainy season's about to end and they're about to leave like they get in this tiff because she doesn't want like the animal girl doesn't want eris and company to leave and eris is like no no we gotta go so they kind of get in a tiff and then they make up because you know it's a day before they leave you don't want to leave like with regrets because like the uh the aunt of this person like the her dad and so i guess the uh, brother of this other character, which I cannot remember, Gisling, I think is her name. Yeah, Gisling. Something of like that. Yep. Um, yeah, her brother, like, when she left town, he, like, he regrets, like, finding out that she is an actual decent human, like, not human, decent person now. And it's just like, hmm, I, like, you don't want heirs to leave without, like, and feel this, like, feeling of regret like I do. So, they make up, etc. Episode ends, or they leave, and episode ends, and they learn about like the seven strongest people, or, like their temples for the strongest beings, and they go over what they are. But God knows if I remember. Anywho, on to the next episode. They get to the next big town, and they're like, "Cool, I let's take a day off before we take any quests. We got to make some money here because we don't know how much ships are going to cost, and this place is really good at like this place is very profitable. So like, let's stay here for a bit." And in their off days, Eris is going to go slay goblins. Rudy is like, hey, Rugeard, take the day off. Wink, wink, like follow Eris so she doesn't get fucked up by these goblins. In which they kind of allude, like, not necessarily to Goblin Slayer, but they kind of, like, make it, like, out as if, like, goblins are these horny little bastards that are just going <laughs> to fuck Eris up like they did in Goblin Slayer. So... 
luckily Rajir kind of gets that and I believe he goes along with her and he's like cool I'm gonna make these little replica figures of Rajir because we need to spread the word so after every quest we do we'll give them the you know a little replica statue of Rajir and then I'm also gonna write home because I never thought to do that and so while he's riding home, he sees somebody ride off with, like, a kidnapped person. He's like, ah, shit, I can't just stand by. He gets ready, leaves, and, like, follows the party to this barn. Like, this old decrepit, like, church barn thing. And that's when shit hits the fan. They start, he, like, gets found out there, and to try and hide his identity, he puts a pair of panties on his face and starts fighting these bandits, supposed bandits. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, good, the boss is here, the leader's here. And instantly you know exactly who it is. And he starts fighting the the leader, and you find out it's Rudy's dad. Surprise, they're in the same city. And what should have been, like, a joyous, like, we're back together again, like, I found you, hooray, is just, like, this awkward, like, hey, dad, like, I've been doing this, I've been doing that, I've been doing this, and then just, they get into it. They get into it. He's just pissed that he, A, didn't write home, didn't look at any of the message boards at any of the guilds, like especially in the port towns, because he had his letter in all the port towns and is like not looking for any of the survivors slash people who got transported because of the calamity. So like what should have been this hooray, joyous, like we're back together again is like this awful tiff that they have, which leads to like Rudy beating the shit out of his dad, essentially, which I don't know why he just kind of sits there and takes it. But then Rudy's like actual like full-blooded sister shows up and is just like stop bullying my dad he's like do you remember me and she's like no and that's when he's just like shit i gotta go and like kind of like reviews upon what he's done and why he like basically just like what could i have been doing what could i have done better why didn't i do this why didn't i do that etc and one thing that uh lobo and i discussed is one of these things of just like we, as much as we wish it would have been this happy homecoming, I understand it from both sides, both shoes. Like, Rudy's trying his best to survive. Like, he joined this uh, Rougiered and company, and, like, they went on all these grand adventures, but, like, it was him trying to survive, and he had a goal in mind of helping Rougiered out, not just to just, like, hey, my family. It's like, hey, I'm in the moment right now. Everything else is kind of like blinders on. Just like my senpai is annoying, he just got blinders on. So does Rudy. He's got blinders on. He just doesn't fucking understand. Like, he doesn't think to do these other simple tasks that you would think of, which I do the same shit. I'm always like, oh, yeah, why didn't I send that email? Or why didn't I do this? But then, like, Rudy's, like, so he's like, hey, I'm just doing this. And his dad is just pissed because he should have been looking and helping other people, which... Sure, yeah, if, you know, Rudy didn't have so much on his plate and trying to help Rougier, like, that being his main goal, I'm sure he would have thought of it, but he just didn't, so the f they both just fight, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, I understand. Do I think the dad was a little harsh? Sure, yeah, absolutely, but um, at the end of the day, like, I think both opinions are fair for why they got in a fight. Yeah, it's sort of like one of those Catch-22 moments where... Like, from Rudy's perspective, he, like you said, is basically just trying to survive, do anything he can to make it back home one way or another. He is lucky enough to have, when they were teleported, been connected with Rajir, who is a supremely 
strong and ferocious warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because of that, the circumstances he was put in, you know, he was kind of like luckily a step ahead from the beginning. So it was, but it was never a moment where he sort of reflected on the calamity that took place and how he got there. It was just his whole mindset from the start was just, how am I going to get Eris home? And, you know, subsequently myself home too. He basically was thinking of his second family rather than his actual family and just the others that may have been affected. But to be fair, and I think this is a product too of how everything was set up environment wise in the show. Like, I don't know if they ever hit on how far away Rudy was from his family. Like, cause the, the only, the only scene we really see is when uh, Gislaine shows up at their house and, yeah. is, and is basically like Paul, his dad is like, uh, so you're going away on your job and then beats the shit out of him and knocks him unconscious and throws him in the cart. Like that's, and we know he goes on, a, a, he is transported to the kingdom where Eris and that portion of the, the gray art family lives um, within whatever branch. I, I can't remember what branch it is, but yeah, I can't either off the top of my head. They make it seem like it's quite a long distance away ish. Right. So on the one side, if I'm Rudy, I'm thinking, okay, the giant teleportation ray mana spike calamity yeah it it, it's it emanated from basically where i was like that's its starting point so i have no feasible idea as to how far reaching it was i have no clue who it touched i have no clue what its full power was like if people were just all teleported or if they got killed in the process like no idea so you can get it on that side on the other side, though, you can understand, like, did you have a lot of opportunities to write back? Yeah, you were in a ton of different towns. Like, you could have tried to attempt to reach out in some way, shape, or form. It didn't even have to be his family. It could have been Eris's family. I mean, they live in a kingdom, right? In his mind, he probably thought they got sucked into it, too, because of the proximity to where they were originally. And that's why maybe he wasn't thinking about his family to begin with. So... You can, again, you can kind of see it, but yeah, I mean, like you get this, the idea that like he was really only thinking about himself and heiress. He wasn't thinking about anyone else, but can you blame him? Not really. Like, like yeah. you said, it's like you're in the moment. Like if you, if you get sucked away with, <laughs> with someone else and teleported to a distant land, your first instinct is to go, hmm, I should call my grandma to see if she's okay. You're like, holy shit, where the hell am I? And how am I going to get home? Like, that's sort of your first instinct. So it is a very jarring episode because you do see the the interaction between him and Paul. First off, I think it's the first time he ever beats Paul in a fight. Granted, he uses his, his demon yeah. eye and uses magic to defeat him. So it's a little, like, unfair. But I also, I'm also very curious, like, I'm wondering if... Paul is so disheveled because he's actually found out bad news about his wife and he's just drunken himself into a stupor or if he is legit just that fucking tired to where he's been doing all this to where because when you see Paul in actual light he is fucking disgusting looking like he's got facial hair 
He's got bags. His eyes are purple from lack of sleep. So you don't know if this is like he's been drinking himself stupid or because of like grief or if he is just seriously just tired because of he's been just spending all of his energy to search for his family. Yeah. And others. It's which, by the way, the kid that was kidnapped, it was actually a kid from his neighborhood that used to pick on um, Sylphie that got teleported and was enslaved so they were kind of taking him away from the enslavement yeah and, so. and and that's what his dad talks about is that some people when they were teleported to distant lands they just didn't know what to do and they were basically not conned but they, tricked. they were yeah, tricked they were, yeah they were tricked yeah into i guess that's conned yeah yeah so it, it very very like roller coaster of emotions type of episode because you want to be happy, but on the flip side, you you do know sort of in the back of your mind, like, no, this is this is probably not going to end well for a lot of people. And we're just slowly finding out how bad the calamity really was. Granted, it's a calamity. You know it's going to be awful, but you don't know the extent of how many people it reached because you really only see Ghislaine yeah. uh, and Eris and Rudy get sucked into it, so... Lots of um, stuff happened. A lot of stuff. Really enjoying the show still. I think the I'm eating my words in which the animation definitely did not take a dip. Like these past couple episodes, like the fluidity and motions and everything else has been superb. So like it's back to like season one standard in my opinion. So I guess I just was not looking at it in the right light or something. I don't know. But it, it the animation in this definitely picked up the pace that i thought it was as to season one you're just too critical you're always too apparently critical. i'm i'm a nitpicker i suppose speaking but, of um, awesome animation do you want to talk about talk real quick before comey yeah because you? honestly i don't i don't have a lot to say about talked yeah that's, honestly I'm same there talked is like hey let's let's learn 2.0 like lesson two here you go yeah, That's it's a lot it. of it's a lot of spoon feeding in this episode. It takes place in Las Vegas, which is now just farmland. That they they make it or a point. is it? <laughs> oh, 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 don't don't spoil it too much, Frank. But the, it's not at the beginning of the episode. They're like, yeah, ever since the D twos destroyed the casinos and hotels, and I'm like, so then it's just desert. That's all Las Vegas was good for was casinos and hotels. But. They, they they meet up with uh, one of Lenny's old friends, and uh, Las Vegas is now a big farmland, and they meet up with the, I guess, like, mayor, so to speak? or Yeah, least... like the owner of the farmland, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, who... Basically, really scummy kind of guy. Not You don't really think of it at first, but then you kind of, kind of get glimpses of it. Eh, it's a little shady at the beginning, because he shows up with two bodyguards in the middle of a farm field, and all the people are like, hello, Mr. Lang, and they're all like really nice and happy to him, but he's got these two like bastard-looking like guards next yeah, to him. Yeah, like, just like, generic-looking guards, like henchmen. Yeah. yeah. So but... the episode is just them kind of reconnecting with Letty's friends, and then Cosette starts to hear like some or feel vibrations and so she takes them on a wild journey through las vegas and sh sure enough there's an uh, no, i wouldn't even say underground but there's a casino like in the city where basically like yeah we find out that mr lang is taking all of the profits from the farmland which was uh, like a government stipend to get started like they the government funded 
them to create the farmland. But Lang has basically just been profiting off the farmland to then support the casino to have like all the upper class elite be able to go in and enjoy. So really also scummy scheme. They get into the casino. Really nice jazz music that they got had going on. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, basically it goes about as much as you think. D2 show up. uh, Lenny and uh, shit. Why do I forget her name? Should I let you fumble over? Okay. No. Titan. No. Titan. That's right. Lenny and Titan. They're like, all right, we're going to fight these. We're just kind of going to egg them on and you're going to kill them. So lesson one, shoot them or kill it with two shots. And they finally do it. And it's like, cool. Lesson two, kill it with just your sword. Lesson three, put it all together now. And it's just like, hmm. Okay, cool. But they win and and then then they find the guy who's in charge of the casino and farm. They're like, you're going to jail. But like, not really. I don't know. Like, nothing really happened. Yeah, it well they kind of leave it a mystery because the the final scene of the episode is Lenny and Titan hopping on the bike and Lenny Titan's like, "Yep, I got all the secret documents uh that shows all the different clientele and 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 organizations that have done similar things with government money and who are yep. friends with Mr. Lang. So, let's go kick some ass and take some names." And Lenny's like, "Okay, dokie." And they write off. Sounds like a plan. And they're like, hey, I thought you wanted more to tell him. He's like, yeah, they'll figure it out. It's fine. These kids are all right. But there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance. Basically, this episode, Talked learns that when he's... How to become a conductor, Yeah, he's learning how to actually conduct and and match his harmony to destinies and create, basically, music between them. Like, that's how he controls her as the music art. So... That's an okay episode. I again, we I think you predicted it spot on. Like there was gonna be one more sort of setup episode, and then we were gonna finally kick back into things. So my fingers crossed that is the case because I am I'm very much ready to just have the story move along now. Yeah, I think uh, beginning of next episode is gonna be the end of episode one. Yeah, and that's and they're just gonna continue with the story. But um, yeah, I for once like i i am the blind squirrel i found a nut this time um i I nailed the the prediction on this one so good job i'll take my bow anywho um another prediction that i predicted correctly or at least in my book i predicted correctly coney can't communicate this was a rough one for you i know we talked about it briefly yeah 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 i assume you watched it right yep i watched it what do you think just just surface level because like there's no real plot like it's just like little kind of goofy things like there's a little bit of plot to it in in which just like there's a lot of one character in question but yeah there's a lot of scenes surface level thoughts i mean what do you think i it's so hard for me too because i'm reading the manga too so i'm I'm on volume five so i'm well ahead of where the anime is at but i this episode was necessary. Give it like two. Give it two episodes, and then you'll be caught up. <laughs> oh, I, I am afraid of that. That's why I'm like in a speed rush through these volumes. But I, like, I this episode is necessary. I know. Could they have done a better job with it? I don't. I honestly don't think they could have. Like, there was no avoiding what they were gonna have to set up. So again, f- for any of you who have watched it, not watched it, have read the manga, not read the manga. There is a character in Komi Can't Communicate. Uh, their name is Najimi Osana. They are 
good old Najimi. It's it's hard to describe them because they identify as a girl, they dress as a girl, but they It's a gotcha but, character. Yes, it's a gotcha character. But they they even acknowledge themselves as male. So it, it's a very confusing character. And for any of you who aren't familiar with Japanese culture too, granted I'm not a like a scholar on this. I know through just general. We are, neither of us are experts. We uh, what we are about to talk about is our thoughts and how we think people perceive it, whether yes. you actually do or not. I am sorry if we offend. This is very uncharted territory for us, and this is very kind of sensitive subject matter. Yeah, this is not something easy to talk about, no matter what culture you're speaking to. But in specifically in Japanese culture, the gender identity and gender norms are very much black and white there there's not a lot of like the the like that gray area where we like to at least you know try to make here and in a lot of other cultures too and in countries um for people that are gender fluid or they don't identify as one particular gender or they're you know no matter what you know gender identity doesn't matter um it's much more black and white in Japan and it definitely comes out in anime a lot as well just because it's not a very like it's not a topic that is that they're used to kind of stop you there just a little bit just a little bit because what you're trying to say is that like it's not taboo to talk about it in kind of a joking matter but in other countries it is like ours i do think that there are ways that anime has done it correctly point in case blue period they you know main character's best friend growing up you think she, like they are a female but they turn out to be a guy who cross dresses and they do a very good job about describing it and everything else this one is not so sensitive to the subject matter as it is just Here's a character for comedy purposes only. They're a gotcha character. Yeah. They are more than likely a boy. They've grown, like, you know, Tadano has grown up with this character and they were a boy. And now all of a sudden this year they are wearing a skirt and identifies as a girl. But when a guy confesses his love, he's like, no, I'm rejecting you. I'm I'm, I'm a boy. No, thank you. So it's just one of these things that this character is through and through a gotcha character created for comedy alone. But... To Western audiences and to the LGBTQ plus community, this character is very tone deaf. This this character is not a good character. And it's going to, like, you will see a decent bit about of this character throughout the season. And then once you get to kind of season two where I'm at in the source material... It this character takes a hard backseat. Like you only see them every once in a while, and it's not for those gotcha moments of I'm a girl, I'm a guy. It is like this character is instead just pure chaos, like wants to slack off, wants to play games, doesn't want to study, etc. So like the the quote unquote gag of their character will go away, but not anytime soon in season one. And that's why I have a like that's why I was so blown away by episode one and I was like, they need to continue this into like into the next episode and beyond because this one character can sink this show completely and i still feel that way because they the character uh, najimi they have a couple gotcha moments they like tease tadano saying like hey like i'll repay you with my body and it's just like it's just not very well done but i mean at the same time 
it's one for one with the source material. It is yep. this character is the same way in the source material. So it's just one of those things like I think the studio did the character correctly. They stuck with the source material. They weren't going to compromise that, but I really hope that they kind of don't lean on that gotcha humor, quote unquote humor, um, in the future because it is a very tone deaf. And I think because this source material came out years ago and how different the world views people of gender fluidity, I think that uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping not that I think, I hope that they tone down this character a lot and get rid of some of those quote unquote gags and just focus on the character being this like, embodiment of chaos not wanting to study wants to slack off wants to play games wants to hang out with friends so we'll see but um the one thing that i did say that this show and this episode needed to nail is character interactions and just the various different like mini stories and mini kind of just jokes that they throw in there which they absolutely do they fucking nail that yeah. Because there's at one point, like, the, uh, not Tadano, um, Najimi uh, says, like, hey, if you want to stay friends, Komi, I need you to go to um, Starbucks, not Starbucks. Uh, I forget the, the, S- the stand, name of the Standbucks. Something like that. It, basically, go to Starbucks, get me the super specific drink, come back, and we'll stay friends. And, like, that scene had me cracking up with how funny it was because Komi goes to the, the store like without a second hesitation just starts leaving Tadano's like what are you doing why are you doing this and leaves goes to the goes to the coffee shop putzes around in front like loiters in front of the coffee shop and like basically is like scared to go in and then finally musters up the courage goes in tr- like kind of stands around looks at the menu kind of t- backs away looks at the menu again backs away finally like has the courage goes up to the person and is like what do you want and she looks at the menu one last time and realizes what she's going to order isn't fucking there and she just stares blankly because she was like planning on like okay here's the menu i'm just going to point to what i want and it's just not there so it's just silence and this person who's standing behind the counter is just looking at her like no, this is my moment. I've been working here like 15 plus years or whatever. I have this black apron. Only 10 people in the nation have this black apron because they're so like such good baristas. Like, I know what this girl wants. And she, he's like super intensely like, don't worry about it. I got this. It's fine. I'll get you your order. It's okay. And like, obviously gives her the wrong thing. And Komi shows back up to school and like Tadano and Najimi are there. They're just like, we're so sorry we'll never do this again to you like thank you for going it was but just like that whole scene was so flippin' hilarious because the internal monologue of just this random barista it is they like those random one-off like little characters that like have these interactions was one of the things they needed to nail and they fucking did it it was so freaking good yeah it there's a lot of scenes like that the, the one that got it right off the bat too was when Tadano's like all right I formulated the game plan for how to get Comey friends this is easy everyone loves Comey everyone like get like I have friends too yeah oh, wait like, no I don't <laughs> but he, his whole approach is like okay Comey is obviously super popular everyone loves her this is like gonna be a cinch because all I gotta do is go up to people and be like hey do you want to be Comey's friend and they'll be like yeah of course and then boom she's got a hundred friends and so Donato goes up to this group of girls 
and he's very shy at first and he's like um hi yeah i'm you know i'm friends with comey and you know comey wants to know if you know you want to be friends basically and well, before he even says that, he's like, Kelby wants to know. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah, the one girl is like, goes up to him and she's, she's like, uh, You don't speak about the oh, Supreme Master like that. You are literal trash. You shouldn't even be breathing the air that you breathe around her. You are trash, literal trash, 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 trash. And then it just goes back to normal because so she's good. got this very, it's like, so dark, eerie face with like a very, like, morbid background and then it goes like to like really happy flowers everywhere and she's like is there anything else i can help you with and he's like um no and he, she's like great don't talk to me again and then just goes back to talking with her friends and he's like it's so All funny right, i'm gonna have to find a better way because i just realized i don't have friends so this is gonna be much harder than i originally thought <laughs> so that's when they go into the introduction of najimi and he like is basically like hey would you be friends with komi and even because like you find out Najimi's character is quote unquote childhood friends with everybody. And you see like everybody kind of surround their desk and start talking to them. And like, he's having, he, she, them, they, whatever. They, um, Najimi is just having conversations with everybody and like keeping up with everybody. And it's like, they have massive social skills. So Tadano asks like, Hey, can you be friends with Komi? And he said, or they say, sorry, this Again, gotta for God. Anywho, they say absolutely not, and you find out that um, Najimi tried to become friends with Komi when they were younger, but of course Komi's Komi and could not say yes or no, and basically stood Najimi up, and Najimi was like, "Never mind," and like was like, "You're the one person I cannot be friends with," and that's when Tadano was like, "Go walk Komi home. Just try to have a conversation with her. You'll understand immediately." And that's when they kind of go into the, "Okay, fine. I'll do this for you." And he or they walk Komi home. It's a very awkward situation because you know they're trying to talk and Komi's just blank wall of just like trying to respond but can't respond. And um, finally, they go down like one street and they both stop. And that's when Najimi's friends from middle school who went to a different high school like approached them and was like i miss you i'm in love with you like i can't live without you and like will you go out with me and najimi's like no i'm a boy sorry and the guy is like hey like i don't care i'm taking like i'm gonna follow what i feel in my heart and take a chance on this even if you're a guy like i love you still like and that's when najimi's like no 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 like stop no i don't want to i don't want to date you and this guy kind of uses force on Najimi, like holds them by the arm and this guy unwittingly drops like his home key and Komi picks it up and in- tries to intervene and say like, hey, you dropped this. But instead it's like she stutters and says, I'll kill you of some sort or like well, it's she, misinterpreted to have, like, I'll, I'm going to kill you. She actually says, I key you. And, I key you. There and you attempts go. to say, I have like, I have your keys, but it comes out as, I'll kill yeah. you to him. Yeah, and he and he just freaks out and just runs away. And that's when like <laughs> well, the no. light bulb he he like Kobe turns into basically like a JoJo's bizarre adventure character of like, I'll kill you with your own key. He makes up this whole story about her where he's like he's like, This girl just said, Oh, she'll kill me with keys and then it's like, I've killed people with keys before who mess with Najibi. Don't make me do it again. It's just it's too funny. Meanwhile, it's it just is her, really funny. It's just her standing there with these big giant eyes, 
like holding onto these keys in her hand and they just trying sprint not away. to cry <laughs> trying not to cry constantly but yeah and and that's when kind of the light bulb goes off in najimi's head of like oh she physically can't talk to anybody yeah cool we're friends we're cool now yeah and and then kind of the i don't know what the scene was where i don't remember why najimi told tadano like i'll pay you with my body i don't remember what happened on that one but um it was when najimi originally said i'm not gonna be friends with komi and he's like trying to convince them like no you should just try again and najimi is like "Ooh, you're being aggressive Uh." yeah it i will say too that najimi's character comes out the gate hot like they in the manga it's they come off very strong and not to say that this was done purposefully i i at least hope that's not the case this isn't the case but i think their characters meant to make it kind of like unsettling ish i guess that's sort of a product of them being a gotcha character that you're supposed to be like like ha 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 like it's kind of funny but at the same time you're like it's a little bit awkward and and you're kind of uneasy by it. And it's just because, and it's only because of the way that they're portrayed in the book. Again, like we, we speaking for myself, like, you know, obviously a huge advocate and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. I have many friends who are allies and who are a part of the community. Um, So it's, it's just interesting to see how they're portraying this character from the manga which again it's it's a one for one in the show and i just kind of hope they'll dial it back a bit quicker in the show than they have in the manga because i will say too i'm like i've I've said i'm I'm on volume five najimi's character is a bit less of the like hyper sexualized character that they were at the beginning which is refreshing but they're still very much like front and center in a lot of the different storylines, um, which I don't have a problem yep. with, but they've definitely so far in the manga, they have pulled back a bit on the sexualization of this character, which is, is a good thing, but I'm hoping that the show will do it a bit quicker, realizing that, you know, this character can be quite polarizing to a lot of viewers and can, like you said, I mean, it can, it can take this show from what should be 10 out of 10, to a much lower figure if this character starts to like take over and be more of more too impactful um as a gotcha than yeah i guess something that's something a character that is meaningful to the plot and again we uh, this is just something we've never really talked about on the podcast we we both have friends in the community we both have allies and we both consider ourselves allies so if we really did just screw something up like this is not intended. We'd like to learn from whatever we did. Um, so if we did handle this poorly, please let us know because that's something we would like to fix and like to change because that's something we don't want to, you know, come off as. But um, yeah, I, I had a feeling that this character was going to be rough and sadly two for two on predictions last week. This character was very rough around the edges. And I again, I do hope, like you said, that they they tone down the gotcha elements and really kind of up the chaotic energy like chaotic yeah like this this is just a chaotic person because that's that's what they become later on in the source material and it's 
a very funny character in the source material because like I do find myself laughing out loud in the source material at this character because of just the stupid banter that they have. Yeah, like scenes like you had noted where they they make Comey go to Starbucks and get that big order. Stuff like that. Like that that level of hilarity and comedy is perfect for this type of character because they're that's sort of their purpose is to embody chaos. I mean, they have in in the show even in this episode they note that this character has 500 friends and so they kind of scoff when Tadano's like I'm trying to have get Comey 100 and they're like only 100 and <laughs> Tadano's like, "Dude, yep. Dial it back a little bit. Calm down. Okay? We're starting <laughs> we're starting at 100." Um so it like if they stick with that characteristic and personality of the character i think it's much much easier to just have the progression of the story go that way than to sort of fit in that again the gotcha aspects and pieces that are brought out in the manga and they they can still do the do it justice i I don't think it's like a necessary element where people are going to be up in arms um because i i yeah i will agree that i think more people will be upset if that type of material continues yep and i mean by all means if you do read the source material which i highly recommend it's very funny oh yeah you will have to get past some of that um further on but like it definitely takes a back seat later and later but um yeah overall love the show uh still like it doesn't fit like not necessarily that it doesn't phase me it is very upsetting but like it does not change my views of the show in the slightest because I do love everything else about the show. Like it, the quality of the show is fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Like the, the art, the animation, absolutely bar none best animation of this season, which is hilarious to think about of a slice of life. I I mean, it is fantastic animation. Don't get me wrong. My opinion. It's the best it's, it is. I'll okay. I'll say this. It's hard to compare slice of life because, I mean, it it is Kobayashi-level slice-of-life animation where it's, like, beautiful, yet there are, like, crazy destructive-ish type moments where it's just, like, like very intense, right? Like, kind of out of the blue versus Takt where it is very much focused on the battle scenes, the transitionary, transitions between them just being stationary and communicating into battling all of those aspects like i'd say it's hard to compare because in my opinion i would go with talk just for the sheer like beauty of it but don't get me wrong comey is hands down the best slice of life animation next to kobayashi in my opinion like it's it is up there I agree to disagree but anyways thanks we'll, all for joining us this week we'll go head we to head next we week I've got your number. I know where to find you. I've I've got your number too. I think I know where to find you. I think I have your address. Don't dox me. Please don't do that on the last piece. As long as you don't dox me. As long as you don't dox me. Anyways, thanks for joining (laughs) us this week. Hope you had a good time. Um, We're going to try and, or not, we're going to. We are doing these live from here on out, it seems. Um, I would like to keep doing this. So we usually are on my Twitch channel Mondays at 7 30. It seems we're just going to say 7 30. Yeah. Central. Like, that's just what it's been. So 7.30 Central, come join us at, at twitch.tv slash frankfurter. Um, come tell us live why we're dum-dums and idiots and how we handle things, if we handled it correctly or not, because, God, I hope we did. Like, I, I've i been dreading, 
like enjoying but dreading this episode because of that char- one character alone because that that character can sink the entire fucking show. It's a Anywho. difficult thing. It is. It really is. But thank you guys for joining us. Hope you had a good time. We will be back next week. So until next time, Spark Triumph. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Back up! Back up.